The streak is over. The streak is over for these Marlins, but no time to dwell on that. We are looking ahead. Four-game series against the Mets, and Mark Luino is in the house helping me to preview this crucial Marlins-Mets series on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked on Marlins. It's your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Of course, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, guys, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Don't forget the underscore. No Instagrams, no TikTok. Straight up Twitter. That's it. If you want to subscribe to the pod, do it. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, equally, do that. We are here now on YouTube, as hopefully you can see. And if you are watching, you will see we have a guest. Mark Luino is in the house. Mets up uh, host. Main content king. I mean, the CV is long, but as maybe as well as the giraffe neck is long too, <laughs> brother. How you doing? Yeah, Peter, thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. I, uh, you know, I, I definitely like to talk Mets. So now mm. I get to talk with the Marlins fan about the upcoming series. It should be a good one. Absolutely. What what a perfect what a perfect connection here for this one today. So we're going to talk Marlins Mets on a four game series. What I believe is a crucial series for so both clubs. Both clubs um, are really wanting to make some noise in this one. Before we dig into that, real brief cap, brief summary and recap from last night's action. The Marlins, they drop it to the Angels. Otani on the mound. My view on that. Otani, first time I watched him pitch, live and full, sensational. Absolutely sensational as a pitcher. His splitter, unhittable. Unhittable. Otani was sensational. Trevor Rogers tried his best to hang in there. Pitched well. And the Marlins didn't, he actually didn't help himself, but they also didn't help themselves in that fifth inning. It got out of hand, two hit by pitches and a botched uh, fly ball into the outfield. Dom, John Birdie puts on the ground in the end, uh, you know, runs were put up and that was kind of the ball game there at that moment. So could have been a close one. I would have been intrigued to see if Trevor would have got out of that, how the game would have played out. But that fifth inning was the big crucial one. The Marlins only three hits in general, not enough offense. Otani immense. Trevor Rogers. Seeming like himself, he's getting back there, but just needs to avoid that one beginning. Anyway, that game's done. It's in the books. Sandy Alcantara won his game. Otani won his game. I mean, that was, if I was a betting man, that's where I would have been going on that one. Mark, did you get any of that series at all? Yeah, I mean, I keep an eye on it, of course, still yeah. National League East. And anytime Otani's on the mound, you just, or just playing in general, you should probably yeah. keep an eye out for him because he's so exciting. But I mean, the Marlins still continue to get good pitching. It just really always comes down to hitting for you guys, I feel like. It really does. I mean, that sums it up there, right? I mean, three hits. I mean, you're not going to win games with three hits uh, that often anyway. I mean, maybe no. you squeak one or two, but um, no doubt it was, uh, it, it was definitely not our best hitting day, that's for sure. Nevertheless, the main let's let's get into this Mets series now, mate. We've played each other, you know, pretty frequently actually. We didn't see each other at all until June, no. and then all of a sudden it's like bang, 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 bang. Marlins Mets. My takeaway thus far has been Frankie Lindor is now a Marlins killer. He has been absolutely on fire. Has he cooled off at all? Please tell me he has. I mean, he's been a little bit cool recently. He's just kind of doing the same thing he's done all season, which is just like hover around like a 750 OPS, which in a small sample is kind of relatively random, but he's still getting on base, still hitting okay, shows power once in a while. I think he's cooled off, though, from maybe the last time that you guys saw him. 
Um, but it's it's also funny to hear from another perspective of like a Marlins killer because I can just go through your guys' lineup and talk about all the Mets killers you have. I mean, John Purdy <laughs> being the biggest of them all. I remember last last series we had you were you were tweeting about John Birdie and I was like, there we go, this is it. We got Mark tweeting about John Birdie. I mean, we wouldn't have predicted that when we spoke in the off season. I don't think so. I know, mean, I. John Birdie has always been a thorn in our side and just like playing you guys in these two series, which felt like, I mean, they were within a week basically of each other. I was like, man, this Marlins team, like it's I'm definitely not bad by any means. I feel like a lot of people still think that the Marlins are a bad team, which is just patently false. Mm-hmm. Annoying though. Like you guys just like are scrappy. You kind of yeah. don't really like give up. And it's not that you're particularly like going into a Marlins series and be like, Oh my goodness. Like so scared, but they just, they make you play a full nine innings and that's annoying. I think that's been the key. That's why the we've really had a good run the last couple of weeks, maybe month or so. We've all of a sudden started coming alive in the ninth thing. Like you said, we make you play the full nine, and the pitching means that we hang tough mostly. So you are playing the nine, and all of a sudden, the Marlins have started to get some big knocks in the ninth. And that was the last game we played, actually, with Nick Fortes with the walk-off yeah. um, walk-off bomb. I mean, everyone's going, who the hell's Nick Fortes? Myself included. I was like, this <laughs> this guy, what you are? I mean, like, I, I know that he's a ball player, but this guy, really? I know. <laughs> Sums it up. So it's good to hear the Frankie Lindor's cooling off slightly, but he has been, I mean, he's been man of the two series thus far. Big, big knocks. I remember he, he, he had a real big one against Sandy Alcantara in the last series. I mean, if you're getting knocks off Sandy... You're playing well. You're hitting well right now, no doubt. So, um, I mean, you'll get to see Sandy again this series. Obviously, a four-gamer, um, most likely. But, I mean, Sandy's pitching. He's just pitching out of his mind right now. I mean, does it kind of feel like vintage DeGrom-like in terms of what Sandy's doing now? You know what? It's a little bit different in that, like, you know, Sandy, he has the stuff, obviously. You see him throw, like, 100 miles an hour. He's got, he mm-hmm. goes deep into games. It's different in that I feel like their repertoire is, you know, still relatively different from each other. Yeah. But Sandy is just, I mean, just as dominant. The guy's been unbelievable. He's got to be one of the favorites, if not the favorite, for the National League Cy Young. And we could kind of see this happening over the last few years. I feel like his first big start was against the Mets, where, um, as a rookie, I guess it was, back in Miami, back in the Mickey mm-hmm. Calloway days, which were bad for the Mets. And it was like, who's who's this guy who just pitched yeah. a great game out of nowhere? And you've seen it building and building to him being one of the best pitchers in baseball now. No doubt about it. Talk to me then about uh, what is definitely going to be one of your all-stars this year, Starling Marte. Old, old friend Starling Marte. We spoke about him in the offseason. I think you liked the deal at the time. I mean, is he... Has he performed in line with expectations, above expectations? I mean, what's where, where's your head at with Starling Marte? I've been very pleasantly surprised in the power that's come from Starling Marte, mm. just because he's normally a guy you wouldn't expect to kind of be on pace for like a 20 home run season, which he's on for right now. 15, I know that's not a huge difference, but his power, he's just a really, really good player. And yeah. I've always been able to appreciate it from afar, but now seeing it up close and personal every single night, I'm just so happy. I feel like once a week I tweet out, I love Starling Marte. Like he's <laughs> had too, his ups and yeah, he's he's such a great teammate. He's such a great player, plays the game the right way. Like he does all the intangible stuff. And then when you get him on the field, it's like, oh, he's gonna possibly be an all-star this year. Like he's been mm-hmm. so vital to this team. I I'm so happy he's gonna be here for the next four years. No, it's it, it pains me that deal. And and what you've been through this year is exactly what I went through in 2020. Because, you know. I'd heard about Starling Marte, you know, and you'd seen him in little series here and there. It's not until you watch him every day that you truly appreciate just how good he is. I was like, wow, actually, Starling Marte, what a stud. 
absolute stud. And he was playing centre field for the Marlins. We, we really needed him at centre. We still yeah. need him now at centre, actually. <laughs> and that caught me off guard in the first series between us because we hadn't seen each other um, at all. I hadn't watched a lot of Mets games, actually. And um, there was a fly ball out to, to right field. And I was like, oh, OK, right, who's there? Starling Marte's made the grab. I was like, oh, Marte's in right field. Oh, yep. OK. I didn't even realise the Nimmo's in centre. He's yeah, having a great year, too. Yeah, I think Buck wants, well, he says he wants the strongest arm out in right field, which I don't disagree yeah. with. Starling Marte definitely has the strongest arm of the three outfielders for the Mets. But I also think it's a little bit of, I don't want to say like injury management, but mm -hmm. keeping Starling in right field gives him a little less wear and tear than playing him in center field. And over a yeah. four-year contract, maybe this will keep him a little bit more fresh for the entirety rather than maxing him out for the first two and hoping we get right field in you know the last two years. Yeah, it makes sense. What about Mark Canner in left field? Because, again, another signing, probably a real under-the-radar one. Like the Marte one I was in on, to be honest, I was thinking I wish the Marlins would go after Canner. There was talks about Canner. Yeah. How good's he been, too? Yeah, he's just like – we call him Marky Cheerios on our podcast because he's just like – he's pretty boring, but he's boring <laughs> in a great way. Like, he's reliable. Yeah. He's there for you. You know, Cheerios has been through the test of time in terms of cereals. That's just Mark Canna. Like, you're not going to watch him and be like, oh – this guy is an incredible player, but then you dive mm -hmm. deeper into the numbers or you watch him every single day. And it's the little things that he does. He gets on base. He has eight pitch at bats. It feels like every other you know time he gets to the plate and he plays a great left field, all stuff that in the scorebook maybe doesn't, you know, carry so much weight as home runs and RBIs and all that. But overall, he's going to still be a very, very important player. Every single game he's out there. No doubt about it. Who, who has been your favorite player in 2020 thus far on this Mets team? I've been really happy to see Jeff McNeil back to his old ways. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm relatively friendly with Jeff McNeil. We've done some stuff in the past. And to see him struggle like he did last year was so bizarre because he's a guy who just has elite bat-to-ball skills. And it felt like last year he just kind of got caught in between, do I want to be a launch angle guy? Do I want to put the ball in play? He didn't really know what he wanted to be. And this year he's gone back to his old ways, slapping the ball around the field, and he's hitting like 320. And coming back from an injury, too, he's finally starting to look healthy. He's been the guy that I've been really happy about, along with Luis Guillorme, who's a similar player and a little bit of a you know cult hero for the Mets fans. Yeah. Take us behind the curtain, if I, and I don't know if you know this specifically, but you know, for Jeff McNeil, where he's kind of thinking about what type of player he wants to... Is, is that him? Is that him making that decision, or is that the Mets? Like, who's leading that, if that makes sense, in terms of the type of hitter he's going to be? Yeah, it seems like the Mets have very much come with the idea this year of being contact oriented. And I feel like you can see that with their K rates and walk rates and everything around the league. They've made a, a clear, you know, adjustment in how they want to play as a team. That being said, I think a guy like Jeff McNeil, who has, you know, been vocal about this, has said many times that he's no longer trying to hit home runs. If he hits a home run, it happens, but he wants mm -hmm. to go back to being the player that got him to the majors instead of being the player that he thinks will, you know, end up being the guy that gets you big time paid in the majors. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting, and I guess that's totally suited Jeff McNeil because I mean that's the kind of guy he was anyway, and maybe he was just trying to adjust his game just to you know fit in almost like what what the major league wants from a from a player, and you know he kind of got away from himself, I guess. Yeah, it's really easy to get caught up in hitting home runs. I mean, that's yeah. what guys get paid for. One, that's what everyone gets excited about. You know, the guy mm -hmm. who hits a slapper down the left field line for a single doesn't necessarily get all the hype, but yeah. that makes a very productive player. And in this Mets lineup, that's exactly what we needed was a guy who's going to put the ball in play consistently, like Jeff McNeil. Sounds like you got tons of really good, boring hitters. Um, that's that's really annoying. You know, yeah, I was talking about you guys being annoying. The Mets have like low key been annoying because we don't necessarily hit that many home runs, but we do just get a lot of hits. Like even last night mm. uh, against the Reds, I think we had like fifteen or sixteen hits. 
And we, we scored eight runs, but for the majority of the game, only had two. So it's like some games, it'll break through and we'll get all yeah. those runs, but then we'll have a 10-hit game where we score one. And it's like, ah, it's frustrating to us too. It's, it's tough yeah. when you don't hit home runs. That's what it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, particularly if there's guys on base, you know, home runs then. I mean, that was... That was Adam Duvall's MO last year for the Marlins, yep. where, you know, a couple of runners on base, as soon as there's runners on base, Duvall just came alive and he'd be hitting bombs. The next thing is another three-run bomb. Great. You know, breaks open games. And, you know, when you've got the pitching that, that we have, and actually the Mets really do too when when they're back and healthy, you know, it's it, it really helps, no doubt. So a um, couple more to get into shortly. But before we do that, first ad of the day, and uh, it's our good friends over at BlueNile.com. So... If you're celebrating one of life's special moments and you're thinking about jewelry and engagement rings, BlueNile.com, they're the original online jeweler. And uh, they basically, you know, they've got tons of different options available. But if you're thinking about popping the question or celebrating a milestone moment, get unique jewelry with modern convenience with the online shop on the BlueNile.com. So how do you do it? What am I trying to do? Build the engagement ring of her dreams. Get onto the simple online tools and you can choose a diamond shape, size. Bigger is better, and clarity as well as setting style. And then Blue Nile's jewelers will handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each one is one of a kind. Be spoke jewelry. Imagine that. Imagine dropping down onto one knee into Lone Depot or City Field, maybe dropping down with a Blue Nile bespoke engagement ring. She'd have to say yes, no doubt about it. So, what have you got to do? Get yourself over to bluenile.com today. Use the promo code locked on. It's locked on for 50 bucks off any order. Of five hundred bucks or more, and trust me, if it's engagement rings, you will need you will need to spend at least five hundred bucks, no doubt about it. So that is bluenow.com promo code locked on, fifty bucks off any order of five hundred bucks or more. All right, Mark, do you do you need any engagement rings? By the way, bluenow.com could be the spot. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my girlfriend won't listen to this one. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think we've got a little bit of time before that. <laughs> yep, yep. Don't 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 tag her in this one to, to go and listen for sure. So, um, you know, the Marlins, uh, the Marlins Met series comes. Like I mentioned, it's a really interesting time in the schedule for both clubs. Like the Marlins are trying to make a run, get back in it because we were really sunk. The May, oh boy, our May record really sunk us, and then we've kind of got things going again. The Mets. On the flip side, scorched the life out of it. You know, everyone was basically handing a division to the Mets at the end of May saying, division's done. All of a sudden, the Bravos have come alive. And here's the question. Are you feeling the heat? How are you feeling about these Braves now? Yeah, like as much as I'm trying to say I'm not feeling the heat, I'm definitely <laughs> feeling it. I mean, two and a half games, especially with a big series, like it's... It, this is going to be the thing. Like, this is such a trap playing you guys because I feel like every Mets mm -hmm. fan, and I honestly wouldn't even blame the players right now, probably have their eyes circled on that Atlanta series. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's dangerous because the Marlins are playing good baseball. You guys are a good team. And you're a little bit improved on the last time that we faced you too because you got guys back like Joey Wendell, Brian Anderson. I think Aguilar is going to be playing too. So like, yeah. it, it's... I feel the heat. I'm really hoping we can just keep kind of treading water and then hopefully the talent, you know, rise to the top. But I've always, I, from the beginning of the year, I did say it's the Mets in Atlanta really at the top of this division. And whoever yeah. wins that season series, I do believe will win the National League East. So oh, it's just, it's stressful. Like the worst part about this is the Mets aren't even playing bad. We're 20 games above 500. And in that yeah. time of staying 20 games above 500, the Braves have just not lost and are two and a half games back. Like, it's not the classic, like, lol Mets, like, they collapse, they choke. No. The Braves have just not lost. <laughs> this is it. It's hard to contend with teams that literally are about 
30 and two in the space of what the last five, six weeks, or whatever. That's what it feels like. It feels like, <laughs> it feels like they're playing, you know, the nationals every other game or they're playing the, <laughs> Rockies or the, the pirates. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And, and I guess that's an interesting wrinkle to this, um, this series itself because four game series, we were thinking actually the way things were lining up could be Sandy Alcantara, Max Scherzer, because Scherzer's back. We'll talk yep. about him in a sec. And we're thinking Scherzer lines up for Sunday. Sandy lines up for Sunday. Sandy loves Sundays as well, by the way. And I was thinking, great. <laughs> Next thing is, um, yes, yeah, Scherzer's pushed back. And when I looked at it, it's like, oh, he's pushed back to game one with the Braves. Oh, okay, the Braves are, are you know, that's the next series. Was it managing Max or was it prioritizing the Braves, do you think? I think it's like a little bit of that. And I think there's also a third wrinkle, which was Chris Bassett coming back into the rotation after being on the okay. COVID IL. So I think they wanted to make sure that they kept him relatively on the same schedule, which dropped mm -hmm. him in on Friday. So it was like, okay, do we then move someone up to pitch Thursday? Have Bassett fry like you know figuring out the rotation that way, or yeah. do we just push push Max back to Atlanta? Buck would like to tell you that he didn't push Max back to Atlanta because it's Atlanta. He we he's mm. saying this is just how it works. Myself, I think it's a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of sportsmanship <laughs> there. Of well, we got to have our best guy going up against their best guy on Monday. But man, Max and Sandy on Sunday would have been fun too, though. Oh my days! It really would. It really would have been a stunning matchup. I mean, it'd be a great one anyway because I think it's um, Taywan Walker. I think is going um, for the Mets, if I recall, like without yep. looking at the matchups now. And oh yeah, you're correct. He's been lights out against the Marlins. The two starts, he's been like you know Cy Young um, contender himself against the Marlins, and a Marlins killer with the ball. So he's been great. What what's been good? You know, this is the the thing for the Mets. Clearly, Max has been missing for a sustained period. Jake is on his way back. He's been terrorizing some guys in the, in the Marlins <laughs> system as well this week. Poor nineteen um, and twenty year old kids have to face him with the ground. <laughs> he's ending careers in Jupiter this week. I saw, so that, that was nice of him. Um, Max is on obviously on his way back now. But how have you been handling this kind of you know? And obviously McGill was opening day starter. He's now on the IL as well. So basically, three guys out of the rotation. You've done well. I mean, 20 games over with three dudes out. What what a performance. But who's been the standout? Who's kind of stepped up for these Mets in, in the rotation? Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned him. Taiwan Walker has really stepped up in this absence. He's been great. He's developed a new split change that he's been throwing a lot that's been relatively unhittable. And, of course, I'm going to knock on some wood there as he's mm -hmm. pitching on Sunday, make sure that we don't jinx him there. <laughs> but his new repertoire has completely changed the outlook that he is as a pitcher, where before he was just kind of a middle-of-the-rotation guy that we got some length out of every once in a while, and he would give you some good starts, but he's a little hit or miss, where recently he's been a lot of hit, and it's because of this new repertoire. So he's been great. Carrasco stepped up. Bassett's mm. obviously been huge. Like it just feels like everybody has basically taken the level that they we expected them at and just stepped up a little bit. I mean, even a guy like David Peterson has now developed this wipeout slider, which is unhittable. You guys won't see him. You'll get Trevor no. Williams instead. But even a guy like Trevor Williams, he's had some decent starts. He's a bit of a coin flip. He's a little bit of a 50-50 of whether or not he gets hit hard or not. But even just getting length out of a guy like him every five days when we are missing three big pieces of our rotation is massive. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny the way, you know, the, these these matchups uh, match up um, where your coin flip guy, in reality, so it's uh, it's Marlins uh, coin flip guy as well with Dan Castano. When you look at the numbers, you go, okay, one-on-one -on -one with a 242 ERA. Who the hell is Dan Castano? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I felt the last time we faced him too. was like, exactly. we're not hitting Dan Castano. Like, I... I I don't want to disparage the guy, but by no means do I watch him pitch and go, there's Sandy Alcantara 2.0. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. This is it. Baseball's a weird game, right? Where you blow Sandy up, 
Uh, Castano rocks in and the Marlins walk it off with a Nick Fortes bomb. And you think, what's just happened there? I mean, that lineup the Marlins threw out there on that Sunday as well was <laughs> like a proper Sunday lineup. I was yep. thinking, oh, my days. Um, but somehow they got the win and that's just baseball itself. So there you go. you got Castano and Williams going um, this evening's game, game one. What I think is a real... This, for me, then becomes game two. is the real yeah. crucial one, I think, for this series in general. Pablo Lopez, Chris Bassett. Bassett just back off the... Uh, the it was the, the COVID IL, right, for Bassett? Yeah, COVID, I wasn't clear. COVID IL, yeah. yeah. So he's back. Pablo Lopez, who's kind of been scuttling a little bit in some ways um, since a comebacker on his wrist um, against Houston a few weeks back. However, carried a no-hitter uh, into the seventh on, um, on Sunday. Granted, it was against the Nats. So, you know... <laughs> There is that asterisk there on that one. But Pablo Lopez, back to some form. The Marlins clearly are going to fancy themselves on Sunday to win the game with Sandy going. They will always yeah. fancy themselves. And they should be favored to that game. It doesn't matter who's going. Um, yeah. For the Marlins, this is the one I'm circling and saying, key game on Friday. What about you on this one? Yeah, I, I think everyone definitely has Sunday as like the one where everyone wants to watch. Because even if we don't think we're going to win, you got to watch Sandy Alcantara pitch anytime he does. But I agree with you. I think that Bassett-Pablo Lopez, Lopez game is super interesting because of the, the two storylines. Like you said, Pablo's been struggling, pitched well, but he's also historically pitched poorly in City Field, which mm. doesn't obviously match well for him this weekend. Hopefully uh -oh. stays the same. Um, but Chris Bassett <laughs> coming back from COVID too, it's always interesting to see how those guys come back after they you know are sick and after they have had like a week off of time. It's it's a little bit different. Um, yeah. I don't know. All the, we It's so weird because we've seen each other so much recently in this short period of time and didn't see each other before the, this yeah. time. Like it, Before June, we didn't play. So it's not that I'm like, have any particular game circled. It's just like, man, I know what all these guys can do. I know what the Marlins can do. All these games are going to be relatively close because the matchups outside of maybe Sunday, but even then, like it's, it's a teeter-totter of like, okay, they have a slight advantage with Sandy over Taiwan. We have a slight one with Carrasco over Braxton Garrett, Bassett mm -hmm. Lopez, even Trevor Williams, Castano, even like it's a very even pitching matchup over the grand scheme of things with slight advantages to each in different games. Agreed. I agree with you. I think this is a really finely balanced um, uh, matchup and, and series. You know, right now they are uh, finely matched teams in terms of the win loss record, but the Marlins are improving. I think that's the key thing you mentioned. Definitely. And they have added to the roster uh, with, you know, particularly Joey Wendell being back. Brian Anderson, too. Um, but Joey Wendell in particular, he's come back and he's been on fire as well since he's been back. And I love nothing more than a guy out there with black cleats in your language, um, black cleats, no, <laughs> no, no flare, no batting gloves, just rolled up sleeves and slapping balls everywhere. That is Joey Wendell in a, in a kind of nutshell. So he's the type of dude you need, right? That that's like our Guillaume in a way. Like he go. plays <laughs> all the infield positions. He's not going to hit home runs, but he slaps the ball around the park. Like mm -hmm. the, Guillaume has no batting gloves. I think for I saw him for the first time ever wear cleats of you know bright colors the other day. They're both like gritty players. I feel like is the best way to describe them. Hard nosed mm -hmm. gritty. Bill Belichick would want him on the New England Patriots. Like oh no doubt. No these doubt. guys. I mean, these guys go. play the right way. Yeah, they really do. They really do. And it, it was a big miss for the Marlins because he Joey Wendell started hot too. So did the Marlins. Then Joey Wendell with his hamstring problems. It's the problem with these hamstrings. Like you try to nurse it back and then you go full go and it's gone yep. again. And, you know, it's in another month. So, you know, praying up that the Joey Wendell and his hamstring is fine. But him coming back is definitely correlated with the Marlins doing some damage again and, and winning games and winning close games. Like I said, a lot of clutch hits though as well. With And everyone's chipping in. This is yep. the thing. It's not been like 
right, is it just Pete Alonso hitting bombs or Frankie Lindor? It's been like Nick Fortes, Avi Garcia finally did something. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> Brian De La Cruz hitting a couple of bombs in big Another spots. Another killer. You know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. So a John Birdie stealing bases. It's been, you know, it's been a really interesting ride for sure with this um, this lineup. It's been a bit patchwork and a bit, you know, spotty here and there. But I do feel with Wendell in there, you clearly we're missing Jazz too. And that's been a big blow the last couple of weeks with his back. Yeah. Um, but Wendell back in gives the Marlins a little bit of a, a, a kind of push. So final ad, and then we'll kind of, I'm going to ask you to put your GM's cap on as well, if you wouldn't mind, because sure. we're all going to be trending that way. I feel like we're both going to be buying something at the deadline. So I'm really intrigued to get your take on where you would go if you had the cap on. But um, guys, our final ad of the day, it's our good friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net, it's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. And you can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball, of course. And it's your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, eSports and scores. And it remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts and news this season. It's got everything covered. Every sport you can ever think of, you can wager everything, MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, Wimbledon's happening now. You could probably bet on who'd be the next prime minister in the UK, probably. I haven't looked that up. We should do. If I was a betting man, I'd go for Rishi Sunak, by the way, if anyone's listening in and, and wants a, a flutter on that one. So what have you got to do? You've got to head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, then, Mark. GM Mark, he's been drafted in. They've been promoted. The Mets Up podcast has really taken off. They've said, right, get this cap on. What do we need to do at this deadline to effectively secure a real World Series run for these for these Mets? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer that everyone in every team always is going to say is get more pitching, right? So Luis Castillo, Frankie Montas. Oh, hey, I, I'd even contact tomorrow and see if Pablo Lopez is available. You never know. I would I'd love, love to call take too. him on. I'd love to take him to the Mets. So I think pitching is like the boring answer. I think the fun one is more on the offensive side. I think the Mets could look at a guy like Trey Mancini uh, to be our DH just because we do need some help against left-handed pitching, and he mashes left-handed pitching. Also saw a fun stat that if Trey Mancini played in City Field this year, I think he would have like 15 or 16 home runs where he has, I think, seven in Baltimore. So okay. get him away from that newly massive park in that <laughs> tough left field. Trey Mancini's playing a whole lot better, and I think he's a good ball player too. Josh Bell would be some fun. I think there's a lot of good bats out there that the Mets could get to help them at the DH spot, which has been a little bit of a hole this year. No doubt. I, I, I mean, I love the idea. I, I, I don't say this, you know, like I want the Mets to go and win everything. We're, we're division rivals, so I'm not going to be for the yeah. Mets. Heaven, but oh, now you've said it, that Josh Bell hookup with the Mets <laughs> to me sounds amazing. I mean, we've seen Bell just recently because we had a series against the Nats, and Bell's just a straight-up stud. He's just He's just a hitter. Really you know, switch hitter. I've never seen a bigger switch hitter that just hits well from both sides. He's immense, Josh Bell. So I'm shocked he's still there, to be honest with you. I would have thought yeah. someone would have gone in already and, made, and pulled the trigger. Beat the you market, what, maybe. You know what it is? I think the or the Nationals know that Josh Bell is going to be a hot commodity, and maybe mm. they're trying to wait for him to get to his absolute highest. You know, you see a team grab a guy like Trey Mancini almost. Josh Bell's price maybe goes up because, well, now who else is left? Who else do we have? We've seen yeah. teams do that in the past. I mean... The Mets traded Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez for half a year. So you could make a lot worse trades than trading for a guy like Josh Bell right now. Um, I mean, he's a good ball player. I just, I, the Mets probably can't get him just because the in-division thing, but I would love mm. to see him there. Uh, it's a nice fit too. Uh, one of the other main storylines that I've been kind of 
picking up on uh, other than clearly DeGrom being back and just ending people's careers in Jupiter this uh, this week, uh, which is great to see for baseball in general. And, you know, actually, let's just quickly touch on Jakey. What's the kind of projected timeline? If there is anyone at this stage, I mean, are they? how quickly could we see him back at the major league level? Well, he's making another appearance tomorrow. So on Friday, he'll be making another appearance uh, down in St. Lucie. So he'll be making another rehab. I don't know how quickly they truly want him to get back or how quickly mm. he can get back because he only threw, you know, uh, one, one, and a, or one and two-thirds innings the other day. So he still definitely has to ramp up quite a bit. It's just, do the Mets want him to come up and pitch three innings? Or do they want him to come back when he's pitching five, six innings? I think that's really the decision they have to make. And it's probably also up to Jacob DeGrom a little bit too here on what seems like a contract year for him. Yeah, that's the other, I guess, wrinkle right now. It, you know, there's some rumors knocking around. He's going to opt out and whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Braves are getting excited. I've seen a bit of Braves Twitter get excited. We're going to sign DeGrom. But how do you think it plays out with, uh, with DeGrom and the Mets? I do think that he probably opts out. I've been hearing that for a while now. I think he probably opts out. I don't actually have any information, but it seems like that's probably the best route for him just because he he needs to sign a long-term contract now with the age that he's at and the injuries that have happened. He probably wants to go yeah. somewhere and know where he will be for the rest of his career. Agreed. Do I think it will not be the mess though? Steve Cohen's got all the money in the world. I say, like, there's not a money problem, is that? <laughs> yeah, not a money problem. So it really comes down to whether or not he wants to still be here um, and still be a part of the Mets. I don't know. I also think it's a little bit of posturing maybe by his agent, just throwing out the Braves' name. We know that the Mets and Braves are huge rivals. How do you get the Mets to spend more money? Say the Braves are going to go after him. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, I'm i with you. I think most likely the outcome with uh, DeGrom, he opts out, but I still then think he signs a multi-year deal with the Mets anyway. Yeah. And maybe even they just do something even before that. I don't know. but Yeah, who knows? Those Port St. Lucie jerseys, by the way. Not sure about them. Um, the ones, yeah. the ones I saw the other day. Not convinced, by the way. The Fourth uh, of July camo. The minor leagues likes to have fun. I mean, we saw Robinson Cano right wearing the SpongeBob yeah. jerseys for the Padres minor league. So <laughs> I, I applaud the creativity. Maybe we work on that one a little bit more, though. Wasn't a great look. <laughs> the graphics team went a bit crazy with that one. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see the way things go with Degrom in terms of this season. Yeah, clearly we all want to see him back. You know, the, the Mets clearly do um, yeah. in their in their run. Uh, for the rest of the year. So it's going to be interesting. Another wrinkle that's been knocking around that I've been hearing, um, and maybe this is from from what you guys have been doing too, there's some prospects brewing as well. There's some yeah. guys that's been highly touted that are coming. Who are those? You know, some of the listeners, the Marlins fans, may not be as tuned into the Mets, and I'm certainly not. So who are the guys that maybe we should be kind of looking out for, kind of they're progressing quickly through the system? Because I know there's at least one or two. Yeah, the number one guy is Francisco Alvarez, catching prospect. Just got re-ranked as the number two prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. Um, the dude is an absolute superstar in the making. At the mm -hmm. plate, might be the best hitter in all of the minor leagues right now, Francisco Alvarez. And what's crazy yeah. is he's only 20 years old and turns wow. 21 in, I think, November. So he's so young, super talented. Still probably has to work on the catching a little bit, but... The bat is there. It's going to be there for a long time. I um, actually got a chance to interview him last year. The dude loves playing baseball. Like He loves having fun. He's going to be a player that, even if you're not a Mets fan, I think you can be a fan of him just because he's going to be doing the bat flips. He's going to be having fun. And he's also a short little stocky guy. So to see someone of his stature be such a good hitter is going to be fun. Like He almost has, like I don't want to say a williams Astudio type build, but he's the same height. And like he's a, he's a squatting man. So he's yeah. definitely going to be fun. Um, Vientos, Mark Vientos is a guy who I think has a legitimate chance to come up relatively soon, especially mm -hmm. if J.D. Davis continues to struggle. He's a third base, first base, corner outfield type prospect. Doesn't really have a position in the field, 
but he can swing the bat and he's raked, you know, throughout the minors in his career. You have Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio. Those are the other names, but they're probably not coming up anytime soon. Alvarez and Vientos, though, are the guys to watch that could maybe make the MLB roster at some point this season. Wow. I mean, what a story that would be. The 20 year old catcher up and, uh, and bombs away from him, the kind of, you know, in the shape of the, I, lo- I love that that um, analogy there. That's you know that that like look alikey with Williams Astadio and his yeah, vibe. So a little more athletic, I think, than Williams yeah. Astadio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, we shouldn't we shouldn't downgrade Astadio's agility. He's uh, yeah, he's 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 a fun dude, no doubt. But no longer at the major league level with the Marlins back down yeah. in AAA. So won't be seeing Astadio for some time. Um, we're out of time. But before I let you go, um, how do you see this series playing out? Clearly, you're hoping for a series win. I mean, a sweep clearly would be the ultimate, but where's your head taking you with this one? Yeah, right now, I like on the schedule for us, I see two games that we should win, and that would be mm-hmm. the Bastard and Carrasco starts. And then Taiwan versus Sandy, it's hard to say that you should win going up against Sandy Alcantara. You honestly should never say that, but Taiwan has done it this year. He's beat Sandy, so you never know. That's why you play the games. And then really, tonight's game on Thursday, it's a coin flip. I mean, flip a coin 50 times, see which one comes out. If it's heads more, it's the Mets. If it's tails, it's the Marlins. I think that's really what it is. There we go. So could go many different directions, this one. I think from a Marlins perspective, on the road, um, having just you know split a series with the Angels, but coming off a seven-game win streak, whatever it was, I think splitting a series here on the road would be absolutely fine for the Marlins, and they would take that. The problem I'm looking at with this Sandy start is it's on Sunday, and I know what our Sunday lineups are like. So... <laughs> That's that scares me. I'm kind of thinking, Dom, just rest them on Saturday instead. Go full go for Sandy, you know? Right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of teams don't do that for some reason. Like you should you should rest your guys around maybe the pitching, not necessarily the day. That's what I mean. I mean, I don't want to, you know, leave Braxton Garrett out there to dry or anything, <laughs> but you know what I mean? But you know, and Brax coming off career day out last time as well. So, you know, we shouldn't completely rule him out. But at the end of the day, the Marlins' best chance of winning a game is with Sandy pitching. Yep. And the, but at the same time, you need a lineup that's serviceable behind him to score some runs. You still got to score some runs. You can't win zero zero. So you know. can't give him the Jacob Degrom treatment. No, this is, is the and Sandy has been getting a bit of that, no doubt. So I'm with you. I think this is going to be a tight, tight series. There's a couple of coin flip games, and really could go one of uh, a couple of different ways. The Marlins, if they split this, I am totally happy with that. So. We'll leave it at that. Um, Mark, for those that aren't watching the show and have the graphics to help them, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, And let them know about the work you do as well. Yeah, so uh, I'm a YouTuber. I also have the Mets uh, Mets Up podcast, which is now the official podcast of the New York Mets. So if you're interested in the Mets stuff, go follow us over there at Mets Up. But you can follow me everywhere on social media at GiraffeNeckMark, and that's Mark with a C, the proper way to spell it. Ah, there you go. You got it. All right, then, guys, that is us out of here with Locked on Marlins on Thursday, Thursday's episode in the books. Peter Pratt, Mark Luino for this one. Thank you for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. And if you're thinking about your second listen of the day, why not go and hop across to Locked on MLB Prospects? Uh, Lindsey Crosby hosts that one, and he's a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. That is us done. We need the fish to have a big series here in New York. I think they're thinking the same thing. I'm fancying a sweep, though, for this one. Let's go, fish.